Welcome to Marketing Blabs. This podcast is brought to you by Marketing Labs, an expert digital marketing agency based in Nottinghamshire. If you're a business owner or marketing professional looking for straightforward non-salesy tips and advice to help grow your business online, then this podcast is for you. Strap in because we're about to reveal the things that other agencies would rather you didn't know. We're back and episode 10 is here into the double digits now baby today we're going to unravel the life cycle of a website from its inception to its final sign-off we'll guide you through every twist and turn a website undergoes in its digital life so if you've ever wondered how websites evolve or why some just don't seem to work then stay tuned joining me on today's blab is josh stapleton our web dev specialist or what is the one you wanted me to call you? I didn't have one for today. I, mean, I didn't stack pick of, them in the Stack Aficionado or something like that. Stack Overflow Aficionado. Yeah, something like that. How are you? All yeah, right. pretty good. Pretty good. We're good. Uh, we've also got Nick Janaway, our head of digital. How are you doing, Nick? Afternoon, Tom. <laughs> you always look at me in a <laughs> serious way. I like it. Yeah, I do too. Are you excited? <laughs> That's a nod. <laughs> <laughs> and last but not least, we've got Jaws. <laughs> Josie Quigley J, our digital marketing executive. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Freshly purpled hair. Yep. Freshly dyed. Ready to go? Yeah. So I want to talk about web development from start to finish and the life cycle of that website. Obviously, at the first stage is having the idea that you want to develop a website if it's new. Obviously, there's a different approach, I feel, obviously, if it's a new website or an existing one. Same sort of process throughout, but obviously, first of all, people have got to understand the purpose of the website, what it's going to do, the audience, and obviously setting a goal for that website. So I think kicking off, is there anything that anyone wants to add when it's when it comes down to building a website from the start? Something to add to that. I don't know. I could expand on some of those things. Yeah. So I guess one of the main things that you touched on is like how you should be like defining your audience, mm. which is pretty important for a number of reasons. I think mostly because like when you think of your audience, you're thinking about your target market, who you're actually selling to. If you're not aligning what you're developing with that audience, then you're just going to completely miss the mark. Whatever efforts you put into things, if it's not aligned with like who you're trying to sell to, you're just going to be wasting money at the end of the day. Mm. Um, so yeah, definitely definitely worth uh, looking at your target market when you're actually de- planning a development. Mm. I think from the early stages, it's it's key to get all of that in place, especially like a website goal. Let's say we're redesigning a website for, let's say a client who already has one. What's the goal? Is the other one to improve conversions, increase sales, increase traffic? Like to have that goal at the start is always quite key, especially if you bring in other things into it and on the digital marketing scale like SEO and, and Google Ads. Obviously understanding as well whether it's going to be e-commerce. I mean, a lot of the websites we do are e-commerce, but there's brochure websites, there's all different kinds of functionality that you've got to put in there. Do you find that 
there is a different approach for a new and existing website, Josh, when... Oh, yeah, definitely. So if you're starting from scratch, I mean, you don't really have... I don't know. You, you've got nothing to lose in a in a sense. Like if you've already got something on the web out there and you're planning on moving to a different platform or planning on redesigning or changing content, whatever it may be, there's like quite a, quite an inherent risk with all of that because whatever you're changing, assuming some of it, a, a little bit of it even, was ranking for whatever keywords or was like a real revenue booster for your business. If you mess that up, I mean, you, you're risking a lot there. And a lot of people don't actually tend to notice the important aspects of their site, the things that actually are selling or the things that are driving a lot of the traffic to the site. Yeah. So yeah, there's, uh, there's, there's totally different ways to go at it. So like if you've got an existing site, you want to be very protective of the things that are actually working for you. If you're starting from scratch though, you've got a lot more freedom and flexibility with that. I mm. think the thing there though is being, as you said, being protective of the things that are working, not just of the things that you like. Because yeah. we've had times where we're going in to design a website and people have just picked a feature that they liked. They've not actually necessarily looked at whether it's a feature that works, whether it functions properly, whether it has a benefit. They just like that feature and so want to retain that. But you need to look at its practicality because it's no good building a new website if it's just going to be bulky and clunky the same as before. Yeah, so really good point. Expanding on that a little further as well is not necessarily just what you like because like what you like might be entirely different to what your clients like or mm. your, your customers uh, if you like e-commerce. Yeah. yeah, so, uh, and a lot of people will fall for this trap. It's choosing the stuff that they think is going to work rather than the stuff that they've seen in the past their customers are actually responding to. So um, in the example of like redesigning a website, perhaps uh, your customers are spending a lot of time on your FAQs page but you decide you don't actually need an FAQs page because, I don't know, maybe it's maybe you've put it in the description for some products or something like that. Having it on the FAQs page is like, it's kind of a well-known place to go to for that kind of information. And it's all there presented in front of you. You wouldn't have to go back and forth between uh, different areas. So yeah, if you were to remove that page, yeah, you could see quite drastic results from that. I guess in both stages as well, whether it's new or an existing site, coming to unit you've got an opportunity to optimize if if you're doing any google ads campaigns that process with landing pages and things like that whether it's the design uh, the content that's on the page and so on so you've got a good opportunity there haven't you yeah i think this is one of the biggest issues actually with the vast majority of what people how people approach kind of web development is a lot of the time there's not a, a thorough thought process in terms of what the actual purpose of the website is and, and how you want to deliver that so what you end up is with a system that's kind of pulled together with various different components without any real consideration of what the purpose or meaning or function is. And, and it very often might end up in a website that looks okay, but actually doesn't really deliver what you need it to do, um, deliver. And I think more often than not, especially when it comes down to marketing and um, certainly SEO, you know, that needs to be at the inception of what your website's purpose is. You need to very much think about that from the start have that intent in mind when you're pulling all those things together, those requirements together, whether it's something to do with technical, whether it's something to do with speed or content or whatever it might be, get that in there from the start and then work out how you're going to best serve and deliver that. And then ultimately, you know, your user experience will, will be more beneficial because of that. So certainly a key consideration from my point of view is, is very much kind of having that in mind and, and making sure you maximize that where you can. It's like outlining your goals at the beginning and then working towards them. Yeah, absolutely. Than, yeah. Uh, like sporadically 
uh, we'll work on this bit next. That's and, and, and those goals and objectives can change, you know, and, and, you know, I think this is one of the benefits of having a really long-term view of what your business needs to deliver. So, not, you know, not ne necessarily just for the short term. It's not, it's not necessarily a one or two year thing. You know, you think about five or 10 years or even 15 years into the future, where do you need your business to be in, in you know, the very distant future? Uh, and then working towards that, you know, because your website for now, and I think, again, this is one of the kind of misconceptions, is that your website is done and you leave it and you know you'll leave it for five years you'll leave it for 10 years and actually that's you know probably the worst approach you can take is uh, as soon as you've done your website it's, it's kind of a vehicle along your business journey really and you can upgrade that and that might mean you get to your objectives quicker or it might mean you have a smoother ride along you know along the way to your objectives but if you continually improve and, and maintain your website um, you'll, you'll be much kind of better off for it i think what i've learned at least since starting to work at marketing labs is that let's say uh, I'm taking an example of an existing website and you're going to redesign it. A lot of clients that I've worked with in the past would say, right, I want to, our, our, our business has changed completely. We don't offer that service anymore. We don't sell these products anymore. There's a big tendency there to just ax all those pages completely and get rid of everything. And sometimes it's just a case of, rewording or, or restructuring a lot of that content that you've already got because like josh says it could be quite damaging and you've got to try and protect that information mm. i mean most of the time when we're designing a new website from scratch or an existing website we can crawl the website and see where the majority of the traffic is coming from so that's an added benefit if it's a new website we won't have that but we can easily crawl competitor websites and things like that if they're provided so there's lots to consider there from especially from a, a a conception stage or the initial process is making sure that people understand that moving on to design and development i think especially with recent projects that we've had it's it always comes down to to balance this could work that could work it, it it's always hard especially when it comes down to like user experience and design in terms of that process, how do they get from A to B, where we're going to upsell, where we're going to cross-sell, things like that, specifically for an e-commerce website. Where do we get that balance? That That's the challenge isn't it all the time yeah i think i think we mentioned that at the start really is it, it comes to it comes down to goals what do you need your website to achieve for you you know if that's revenue via product sales what is the most simplistic way that somebody can do perform that action on your website and make it as easy as possible almost so that they can't fail i suppose mm. and then as soon as you crack that bit then you move on to the next step of saying okay well this we've made this as easy as possible it's a one-click buy you know the product descriptions are great the images are great or unique or xyz there's, there's no reason for them not to convert with you at that point. And then you go on to the next steps and say, okay, well, how can we improve that in, in terms of incremental sales or additional sales? Or um, what's the next step of earning more money from your customers once they're, once they're ready to kind of hand their money over? And improving on steps like that and, and taking a kind of regimented or a sequential approach to it. Make sure that you do the, the bits that you got out first and then build upon that as opposed to trying to do everything at once and then figure out why it's not working and then trying to improve on seven or eight things as opposed to one or two. It's much more difficult and convoluted and, and in the longer term will take you more time to get to where you need to be. So I think, like we said at the start, the key thing really is making sure you've got a really clear thing, a really clear idea of what your goals are mm. and, and, and working towards those goals will then be more straightforward. I know, um, obviously, Josh and I have like a balance of design and development, but obviously it's key that Josh understands 
how I'm designing it first so that mm. he knows that he can develop it or it's doable. Because th- I don't think there's been many times where I've done or designed something that you've not been able to do, to be fair. I'm no. giving you some challenges, though. Yeah, there's been there's been a few challenges that have come up. Realistically speaking, most stuff is achievable. Now, whether something's achievable and achievable on budget are entirely different things. Yeah. Um, like, you could spend hours, days working on a particular problem. Just to throw a little grenade into that as well, is just because it's achievable doesn't mean it's worth achieving. That's no, a, yeah, also that's a great true. point. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's like you may spend, I don't know, hours, days on whatever thing it may be, but is it actually worth all that time being put mm. into it when yeah. it's, I don't know, just a, a box that floats around the screen or something, yeah. whatever it may be. Um, I'm not saying you've taught me to try and design <laughs> something like that before. No. but <laughs> I want to, I, I don't know why this has just come up in my head, but I want to talk about pop-ups. Okay. I don't like them. I don't like them, Tom. Don't talk about them. Should we not talk about no. them? Right. I think I think <laughs> it's a good talking point though. Um, a so, lot of people think that, they're needed though just because they see it on other sides i'm on the fence with pop-ups so generally speaking i'm really against them but i think Mm. there's a few just like a handful of applications where they work Mm. and usually it's when they're not being used to sell like they're actually used as a a functional helpful tool prompt a prompt yeah yeah. rather than oh 25 percent if you buy now yeah 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 25 percent off if you buy now sign up to my newsletter i find them infuriating they're just the most annoying thing you literally land on a site 10 seconds later you've halfway down the home page bosh straight in front of your face i just yeet it away yeah something annoying uh, coming back to your point though i do think there's like an application level where it is acceptable yeah i think yeah, it, anything on a site could be acceptable if it's beneficial to a user, yeah. really. Mm. Um, probably within reason, I can probably think of exceptions. But yeah, like you you do need, in some sense, like different ways to show people how to do stuff. Mm. Like, whether that's like a pop-up, a slide-in, or whatever it may be. Some stuff's going to work better in certain situations. Yeah. But yeah. I want to talk about mobile responsiveness. Obviously... Google crawl from a mobile first perspective. We had this conversation the other day, didn't we? The fact that majority of the time I will design on a desktop first, but both of us know nine times out of 10, how that will look on mobile. Yeah. I think there's, so generally speaking, people are told to design for mobile first, Yeah, which I think is a good strategy more so when you're not that well in the know let's say about how responsiveness works Mm. so if you just start off say in like a web design web dev career or something like that you're probably going to want to do that kind of thing so actually design for mobile first yeah and then like i don't know fill in the desktop blanks afterwards but when you know when you know how a desktop site responds when it gets smaller and Mm. like how things fold and things like that it makes it a lot easier to visualize that when you're designing anyway. Mm. So yeah, I think generally speaking, it can be okay to design in either either way first, um, as long as you are keeping in mind that mobile is probably going to want to be the more optimized version. Yeah. At least more optimized in terms of search and Google actually crawling it and things. I don't know the actual stats off the top of my head, but I think it's like 80 plus percent of people. I think it varies a bit based on different mm. sites and types of sites and it's things like that. definitely over 50%, but I think it varies person to person, site to site, and depends what the people are using it for. Mm. I'm pretty sure I read a statistics once that actually said that for, like, if you're an industry that's selling, like, doctor supplies, the majority of them, because of the computer systems that tend to be in doctors, 
it will be on a desktop and it will be a certain like internet explorer a certain version of things so it is worth looking at for your d- industry but generally speaking 90 percent you're, you're usually talking the majority on mobile yeah. yeah like definitely the majority what about design trends i mean i'm asking myself this question <laughs> more than anything so tom what about design trends i mean i I, I always try and take inspiration from other websites or let's say campaigns or, or marketing campaigns. But I, I mean, my, my style is very simple, minimal, clean. But having said that, the majority of the sites that we've designed recently have all been very different. I use Atomic as an example. That was one where, because that type of brand and in industries lends itself to bold sans serif fonts let's say it's sort of the design had to be a little bit i don't know what the right word is not quirky but it's very design and brand based so that was the big focus for atomic for example whereas let's say plus compo which is an engineering industry it just needed to be really simple and, and clear for everyone to use because the majority of people that are going to be buying from it are buyers in the engineering industry it doesn't need to particularly look nice as long as it's clean and simple to use and that's the main thing so i don't tend to get caught up in trends a lot i feel like with trends it's the same with design as it is probably features is that you've got to look at what's the purpose behind adding this to the website is it actually beneficial is it purposeful in where i'm putting it or is it just gonna die out in a couple of months is it again i think the same with features of I think we've touched on it before of there's a trend of oh well this competitor's got this so I'm going to add it on without actually looking at if it adds a benefit to you and that tends to be features like a share button to social media if you're looking at a website that's clothes or jewelry that might be a little bit more common but if your website is an electrical part company who's going to want to go on there and share your electrical part to social media it's not going to be that common Josh. I might. <laughs> <laughs> you might. You're an exception. Yeah, I do agree, though. And one thing's for certain, actually, adding additional features to a site, I mean, generally small ones, not too big a deal, but, like, large additional features, you're probably going to be taking a toll on, like, speed and, like, website optimization, mm. like how your page is actually getting to your customers, let's say. It's going to be, um, yeah, potentially problematic. Nice. Lots of stuff that we've touched on there with design and development. Testing. Test, test, test. Mic check. <laughs> I think, obviously, it's good to get feedback from actual users at this stage as well. Because, obviously, from our perspective, we've been very close to that design and development stage. It's good to get other eyes on it. What about, I'll come to you, Nick, what about SEO best practices at this stage? Like, when you're at the testing slash virgin on launch, is there anything that you'd look at at that stage yeah it's, it's, i guess from an seo point of view it's kind of coming towards the end of the cycle at that point because if, you, if you're just starting at this point and and you're, you're in trouble really um you know you need to have a good thorough understanding of what your requirements are when you go into design and then when you go into build and now when you're going into testing really you're just proving that concept you're making sure that you've got all of the technical stuff right making sure although it's not necessarily going to be a real world kind of environment but you want to make sure that the page speed and that sort of things good and you know the servers um, are delivering what you need them to and setting it up in a, w- in a way that will be um, to some degree comparable with the real world kind of simulation so you can go through and go through all your checklists of things that you need to make sure is on there make sure your content's good make sure the usability of that's correct it's visible from a search engine point of view 
although obviously more than likely want it now indexing to make sure it doesn't get onto search yeah. engines. But yeah, from an SEO point of view, really, you're just going through the, and ticking the boxes, making sure that everything's done as you expected it to be. Because once you get into the real world, it, mm. um, you know, it can, uh, in some instances, have some catastrophic effects if you haven't done that part of the process correct the first time. Yeah. So you, you really don't want to be waiting till now until you've till you've got that done. You, you know, it needs to be a case of ticking off and finalising. Yeah cross-checking your internal links exactly Make internal sure links is a big one yeah. the designer hasn't removed them yeah don't you definitely don't want your designers to do that Tom. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what about common oversights during this phase do you think josh during testing yeah like uh, testing and launch it's, so it's, it's a weird one isn't it i'd say knowing that making sure that buttons work and the buttons go to the right place yeah I, yeah that's quite an important one to be fair yeah. it's very easy to throw a page together and like think I'll, I'll link it up when i come back to it yeah, like, okay, I didn't actually come back to it. <laughs> yeah, that or you just don't, you're that busy putting it all together, you don't realise you've put the wrong link for the mm. wrong button, it takes you somewhere completely different or just mm. a slightly different section than it should do. You enjoy One. that part, don't you? Oh yeah, Testing it's my it favourite bit, sitting and clicking every button on a website. <laughs> Another one on that is... Um, Say you've been developing using a different domain to the one that you're actually launching with, that can also play havoc on like buttons yeah. and like attachments, files, things like that. So if you've got, say, a button or a PDF or something that's hosted on whatever testing domain that you've put together, yeah. the actual site's going without the testing domain. Yeah, It's uh, a bit of a pain, that one, especially mm. if you actually had a server there that you then turn off a little bit later, and then you realize, oh, okay, half of the files that were on the actual site were actually on the other server. Yeah, bit of a pain. Yeah. Wasn't isn't there issues with trailing slashes normally? If uh... I mean, this one has always been beyond me with trailing slashes. I don't know whether to add them or not add them. I add them, but as long as I've, I'm under the impression <laughs> you have to create as long as it's consistent throughout the whole website. Yep. Then you're fine. So either all trailing slashes or no trailing slashes. Yep. Same with capital letters as well. Don't want you don't want capital letters in your URLs. So you yeah, have, you'll have two fair. versions of your page. So make yeah. sure it's all lowercase. Make sure just consistency is, is yeah. the point. Also, special characters. Special characters. And yeah. say, so what does that affect in terms of? Well, it's a new page. Effectively, you do, every okay. time you have different um, combinations of uh, either capitals or you know uh, special characters or whatever, it effectively duplicates pages. So you'll oh. have multiple versions of the same page, or break break the structure depending on how it's implemented. So mm -hmm. just avoid that. Just be consistent, and you'll be fine. There was a case on a Atomic actually as an example with the ampersand tradition brand where it, it went yeah. a little bit. the URL structure changed when on launch, didn't it? And yeah, that's quite that. an annoying one, actually, because that's like a brand name yeah. using a special character in their brand name. Yeah. So, yeah, is how do you get around that? Do you mm. actually include the character? Do you, like, URL encode it? Or, yeah. I can't remember what we did for that. We did, uh, we did sort of that. Yeah, nice. I think your point, though, around user testing is critical at this stage because, mm. you know, you, you'll go through the theory a lot and you'll have uh, specific designs uh, implemented with a purpose. And that purpose, obviously, is to satisfy whatever the business decision is for that purpose. But it doesn't necessarily mean that users are going to behave in the way that you want them to. So actually validating that is is, is critical, really, making sure that you go through that process and the due diligence. And also that the eyes of people who don't necessarily know how they're supposed to behave is incredibly valuable because they don't necessarily know what you want them to do. And they can find all the little things that are, are going to be problematic that you don't, because you know what you're looking for and you follow the process and you go down and you think, oh yeah, this is perfect. I can do this, I can do this, I can click this button, I can go to the next page, I can do X, Y, Z. 
in your head, you're doing that because you know you need to, and you've been briefed almost in, in order to do that. But the real world, those people who don't have that experience of you and don't have that use case as kind of uh, as a, f- a familiar use case, they will pull up things that perhaps aren't important or or maybe more important to them that actually is more alike to a typical user. So actually correcting those faults in the design stage and before it gets published can be really, really valuable. And then obviously go through rounds of testing once it's published as well, just to make sure that you kind of fine tuning and refining those things can be, it can add a huge amount of incremental value to your website. I've got a question actually just piggybacking off at the back of that. If you were say user testing with people, so you've got like actual people, you're saying go to the site, go do this, this, try and check out whatever. Would you rather the users that are doing the user testing be already in the know about your let's say like service area or like your your type of website or would you rather they be completely out of the loop they don't know about your service or yeah it depends it's a good question actually and i think it it's kind of sitting on a fence here a little bit josh but it really depends on 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 your business and how well known your business is you know if, if you've got a business whereby 80 percent of your custom comes from repeat customers you're really going to want to make sure that they are familiar with your new site especially if it's significantly different from what your previous iteration was they need to know exactly what they need to know in order to how, how to check out and continue you know your business with you um, however if a lot of your custom is from new customers or people that perhaps don't regularly check out with you or, or you know take out a service with you actually it's probably less important at that point but, e- but equally you know both are valuable because all, all um, all people have an opinion and if you can come to a solution whereby you're appeasing both sets of people obviously that's better in the long run but depending on the circumstances of what you just mentioned um, you know one you could swing one way or the other depending mm. on what's important to you so both both yeah <laughs> <laughs> well but having a broad you know uh, uh, ideally within budget obviously it can be quite expensive but having a broad scope of different people different locations different regions you know if, you, if you're a multinational business mm. you know having people in america and the uk and europe can be really valuable because you know those those experiences are likely to be a, a little bit different depending on what the use case is mm. nice so there's lots of things to think about when when it comes to the testing and launch phase i guess once you've come to that launch phase there's always going to be let's say little things that you need to iron out after so there's always, let's say, a, a weaning period or whatever. I don't know what the right term is there. But I think after that, it's getting into sort of like the the real stuff, digital marketing mm-hmm. and actual maintenance. I don't think sites need maintenance, Josh. <laughs> I'll clip you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm only kidding. I just wanted uh, to wind Josh up. But I think... A lot of people overlook maintenance, don't they? Yeah, they do. And I think it's, it's easy to do it as well because I think a lot of people are in, like, say, the mindset where oh, I've I've bought my website, that's it, it's done. It's going to yeah. be sound and secure forever and I'm never going to have to do anything. I'm just going to have this revenue just come into my bank every week or every month or whatever. When that's not really the case, like, realistically speaking, there's a lot of things that could potentially go wrong. Like, you've got... Um, let's say hackers for one like people are going to try and get into your site they're just going to send a bot out or whatever it may be they're going to try and get into your site and try and exploit it for themselves or maybe it's something even more simple than that like your payment provider or something goes under and you need to actually make a change to like your systems and things like that there's always going to be something that's like updating on the web and being on top of that is pretty important Mm. 
there's lots to think about from a SEO perspective as well. Like you mentioned it, Nick, earlier on was once your website's live and launched, you've got to go in and add things to it, whether it's blogs or... It's the start of the job, yeah. Like yeah. completing your website is just the, f the first step of the next part of the journey, really. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not something that you can just build and then just deploy. And, it, you know, some people, and in some instances, you might find where it's relatively static. But actually going in there and, main, and maintaining it from a content point of view, from an image point of view, from the, the technical side of it, and making sure that it's safe and secure... It actually has a lot of incremental value, not just mm. to protect yourself, but also to improve that, you know, um, not only improve your business, but improve the customer um, relationship as well and, and that user experience on your website. Mm. So, um, you know, incremental value from that can be significant, whether that's through marketing, whether it's PPC, for example, and updating landing pages and tweaking and making that user journey better and, you know, and utilizing data and understanding what could be done better and having a positive impact on conversion rates or selling other products or um, repeat custom and, and, and getting more from your custom base uh, can be hugely valuable for you. And then from an SEO point of view as well, like you say that, you know, the content on there is the content, but it can always be tweaked and it's always relative to what your competitors are doing as well. So mm. just because you've done this now and it might be brilliant in three months time, all of your competitors might be better than you or, you know, the rankings have changed because of X, Y, Z or some, something is always going to happen whereby you need to maintain and you need to keep on top of and you need to always look to improve from, mm. from an SEO point of view and a PPC point of view and, and generally speaking, most marketing as well. I guess it's a different case for every client or user should I say but a big part of that is conversion rates isn't it and and improving and optimizing that whole conversion rate it, um, it depends on the goal you know like some some clients or some some businesses are based on kind of ad sales so, yeah. so you know, that's perhaps less relevant and you might mm. need your your pages to be stickier you might need to have more engaging content on their users to visit more pages because it's an opportunity to sell more ads at, at that point. Equally, if it's an e-commerce business, obviously you want to try and get that sale. So getting people through that, that sale process is, is vital. Um, and there'll be different things for different businesses and they'll do them in different ways. But as long as they're improving, always trying to improve those KPIs to improve them in favorably over a longer period of time, you'll always see benefit of, of smaller tweaks and working and taking small steps towards that kind of larger objective. Your content relevancy as well. It, things change within businesses quickly, whether it's team pages or products or services. I mean, um, pro products is a great example of that because um, unless you control that product cycle yourself, um, you know, you're reliant on suppliers, things become more and less in demand over time. There'll be different situations globally that impact kind of sales and the availability of certain products as well. So you know, your product cycle might be seasonal. It might only be, the, you know, one cycle per year, for example, then you're on to the next product cycle or the next thing that might be in. Or So, you know, keeping on top of that and understanding what you need to do in order to maximise that, not only through your website, but uh, from, you know, from an SEO point of view and a website health point of view as well is really important and having a plan around that is really uh, vital at times. I think coming back to, um, just because we, we touched on it from a content and, and user experience perspective, uh, user brain is a is a great tool that you can use for for people real people to to analyze your site you basically pay for some credits and they then analyze your site you can ask questions and get them to navigate around so i think that's just one that i wanted to add in there Another um, one i mean there's no reason you can't get your existing customers maybe not all of them but yeah. some of your existing customers It'd be quite a get engaging process as well can't it very engaging and also i mean 
user testing can be expensive. Mm. Your customers, you could give them a discount code or something, and yeah. they're going to be pretty happy with that. Mm. Yeah, no, that's much a good, better. Good shout. To be fair, what about security? Security. Are we having a password talk again? <laughs> no, let's not have a password talk <laughs> no. again. But okay. It's just simple things, isn't it? We've talked about it before. Yeah, so I don't know. There's a, there's a lot to web security, and especially website security. I think some of the main stuff that you want to be on top of, really, I mean, don't go with a cheap hosting provider. Go with like someone reputable, well-known. Obviously, if you're using or whatever CMS you're using, make sure it's up to date. You're using the latest versions of whatever it may be. Same with plugins, themes, um, any code you generally speaking anything that you've got from somewhere else make sure it's up to date make sure any licenses are paid for and you know it's secure get a security plugin make sure you're on top of scanning your site for uh, security vulnerabilities and things like that yeah there's there's a lot to it but yeah. generally speaking you you do want to be on top of things very basic stuff isn't it really i mean i think i think we've we've covered quite a lot there from the start of the website itself through to design, testing, and then maintaining and updating. I just wanted to touch on quickly with regards to redesigning existing sites. There's obviously, Nick mentioned, challenges of completely overhauling everything so that it's a completely new look. Are there any any, any signs that people think that a website is ready for that redevelopment or redesign? First one for me would be design. <laughs> obviously, I've, if you in the 2000s and it looks out of date then that's your first sign isn't it visually if it looks old and i think i don't know people might give a bit of hate for this but i think visually is probably one of the biggest signs because functionally speaking some stuff could remain working for quite a long while mm. but visually like i don't know something can look less visually appealing even what three four years say if it was on a trend or something like that? I think visually is always the one that gets me. I feel like particularly if your site looks outdated and it's something I've got to put my bank details into, mm. if it looks outdated, I'm not going to trust it because mm. if you've not updated the design, what else haven't you updated? Yeah, that's a good point. It doesn't necessarily feel safe to use. I think trust's a big, big point there, you know, especially if all of your competitors have um, something that's a bit shinier, a bit glossier and a bit, you know, it looks a bit newer and more trustworthy. You know, that's a big problem for you, mm. you know, and it's something that you need to kind of acknowledge. And um, I, th I think some sometimes you can feel a little bit kind of possessive about things and think, oh, you know, it's, it's actually fine. I don't need to do anything. You know, in, in my opinion, it looks great. But actually, sometimes your opinion doesn't matter on that. And actually, your customer's opinion matters a lot more. And, and you'll, see, you'll start to see that in the data as well. You know, mm. if, if you're starting to see your revenue decline a little bit, you start to see fewer users come to your website and perform the actions that they did two or three years ago. You know, that's a big, uh, a big indicator that actually you need to do something to correct that. Or that that thing is no longer desirable. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you actually wrote a pretty good blog post, didn't you, on um, oh, yeah. signs that your website's out of date? Yeah, I did actually. I did five signs, didn't I? Yeah. That's always a good read for any listeners if you want a bit more detail. What were the ones from there, Tom? I can't remember off the top of my head now. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was design, speed, user experience. Come on, two ah, more. I can't think off the top of my head. I'm putting pressure on myself now. We'll leave them as a mystery then. For yeah, mystery. If you want to find yeah. out Bonus more. content. Got to go and read it now, aren't you? Yeah. I do really know in my head. I don't. It's just buried. Yeah, it's buried. I think one thing that would be interesting to touch on would be, I guess, like new sites versus existing sites and like how people how people go about changing their site when they've got an existing site. So 
I suppose maybe setting like a guideline for what you would consider like a redesign versus a refresh versus like updating content. Mm. So more so visual stuff versus content related stuff and where they differ. Mm. So obviously changing, uh, let's say you're changing images and like layouts and things like that isn't going to be too dramatic or too, too drastic in terms of like SEO results or, or what might happen. Impact on performance, yeah. Thank you. Whereas like changing content, especially like removing pages, renaming pages, moving them, or even text on pages is going to be a lot more impactful on SEO. Mm. It's it's definitely worth considering that when you're doing something like uh, either a migration to a different platform or just a a simple redesign or even even a refresh, something like that. Yeah, it's definitely worth considering. I think um, not to blow smoke up our bum but i think we're a, a good case in that in that we we understand especially when it's an existing website how damaging it can be to remove things what could go wrong exactly yeah a lot of people wouldn't see that yeah which is i think a big problem like a lot of people would be like oh it's not gonna be an issue if i remove this page yeah or this piece of content mm. but when it turns out that that piece of content let's say had i don't know it was ranking for like three or four different keywords yeah you're going to lose a lot of traffic on that page like i'm i would have done it three years ago i would have just removed those pages just because the client said that they didn't do them anymore i maybe added three three new ones Mm -hmm. but i I would have done that without any any sort of thought to seo and sometimes it's still okay to do that i mean Mm -hmm. not necessarily remove them you need to have a plan to remove them but you know if it's It's a service that your business doesn't offer anymore Mm -hmm. it it doesn't need to be there because it offers no value but you need to know how to do it properly and don't just delete the pages because it's not gonna but the thing is i would delete them and then not put a redirect in yeah (laughs) and just little things like that where it's like second nature now Mm -hmm. all that sort of stuff yeah I'm very fortunate being, to have learned from being in the know. I think is a big thing. Like a lot of people would be ignorant to that kind of stuff. I think just just to kind of build on Josh's point there, I think it's critical around um, the idea of redesign versus refresh. Yeah. Uh, but actually, you don't necessarily necessarily need to do either of those two two things. But there should be a plan and, and an approach, maybe over a, a twelve to twenty four month cycle, where actually you're taking small iterative steps with very specific purposes. So it's not necessarily a whole or holistic change across the website, but there's a very core kind of functionality change across certain things that are important to the website mm. and continually trying to improve upon them uh, and measuring the, the impact of that and A-B testing and making sure that you're taking these smaller steps because 10, 12, 15 smaller steps might be relatively small in isolation, but when you kind of aggregate them all, actually that can be a significant change over two years that does add a huge amount of value, whether that's through visibility and SEO, whether it's through conversion rates and uh, click-through rates and those sorts of things or you know dwell time and in- engagement rates the, whatever whatever metric you're looking at doing things to improve those that doesn't necessarily include or is specific to a, a whole site redesign I think is is really like a v- very valuable concept to try and get into your head and actually putting the time and the investment into doing things like that can be really really rewarding it's just consistent incremental changes yeah yeah I think that's probably one of the best ways you could go about doing any type of web development realistically. Yeah, I, I would say so, yeah, without doubt. Probably more costly doing it over the long term, though. 
would you think? Uh, I mean, it, it depends on your budget again, and it's not something that everyone needs to do. But if you've got a huge amount of data and you've got a huge amount of users, uh, and you know these these small changes can, even if they are f relatively small in isolation, can have huge amounts of revenue. Mm. Uh, you know, at the end of a year, you know, if you're getting small tweaks in in small improvements, and you know, an extra couple of percentage points in I conversion rate. One of the benefits of doing it incrementally as well is seeing just exactly what is actually happening when you're making whatever change it is yeah instead of just saying here's all my changes at once yeah. and then see what happens yeah you can be a lot more precise uh, and, you... and the combination of those build they stack don't they you know and you can apply them uh, depending on what what the purpose is you can apply them to other things as well and you can get more use out of doing things like that rather than saving everything for a big redesign you know in, a, in two to three years actually making making a commitment to do those step changes over that same two or three year period, it's probably worth a lot more than, than doing everything at once. So it's definitely worth considering. Nice one. So there's been lots that we've discussed there. I've enjoyed the episode, everybody. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Have you all enjoyed it? You lot? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for being here. We've seen how pivotal the planning phase is. We've sort of delved into nuances of design, understood the gravity of testing before launch, and emphasised, obviously, regular updates. Of course, acknowledging when it's time to say goodbye to your current website and rebrand or change things up, it all comes back to the goal. What is the reason why you're doing what you're doing? Websites obviously evolve with time as well, and understanding that life cycle can really make a difference between one fleeting and an enduring online presence. Thanks again for joining us today on Marketing Blabs. We shall see you soon.